HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hi, my name is Sam Ben Ruby, and I'm the host of The Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. With this show, we bring wine to the people. Each week, we bring the best guests in wine on, taste different wines on air, and invite our listeners to taste with us. You'll find our approach to wine decidedly unsnobby. You can find The Grape Nation wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Raw Wine Fair and the Speaker's Corner. I'm Sam Ben Ruby from The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We are recording these talks, and they will be on the Heritage Radio Network site. So if you want to go back and listen, they'll be available. Today for our Natural Wine Legends series, we'll be celebrating the life of Stanko Radikan with his son Sasha and tasting some historic and groundbreaking wines. This is truly a special tasting. Um, there's big talk about macerated wines that are left on the skin, orange wines. I mean, this is the guy, so we're going to get into it. Um, Radikan Winery is located in Oslavia, near Gorizia in Friuli. Think northeast Italy, way northeast, um, near the Slovenian border, which is a big influence. Um, Stanko Radikan was a trailblazer in natural and long skin contact winemaking. Sasha has been working at his father's side since he was 14 until his dad's passing 2016. Sasha now oversees all aspects of the uh, winery. Welcome to the Speaker's Corner, Sasha. Thank you. It's, uh, thank you very much for having me here. It's great to have you here. All right, so I think it would be good, let's not assume everyone knows everything, um, that we do a little brief history. The winery has been in the family for generations, um, but your dad took a very active you know, part years ago. So give us a brief history up to current. I think if you want to speak about history of our um, winery, we should go a little bit in the back because um, we, should, we should think that uh, more or less 100 years ago, uh, in our area yeah, there was... Um, um, World War One, then destroyed everything. 
And then we, 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 if you want to talk about um, winemaking, uh, before it was really uh, a lot of things happening, and then for basically 60 years nothing happened. Then uh, we restart from, from the 40s, from the from the 60s more mainly, where my, my grandfather started to, to make some wine. But what my grandfather did, it's not, not trying to sell wine, it was trying to survive. And uh, the part of survival was they have cows, they have animals, all, all, all kind of, uh, it was a farm basically. Then, um, they did a little bit of everything and, the, um, and then my, when, <clears throat> when my father started to, to think about making some wine, he, he said to him, if you want, you can do, I will be helping you, whatever you want, but all decisions are yours. And from the half seventies, my father took over and he started to, First bottle comes vintage uh, 1979, that's 40 years ago. But let me ask you something: the farming practices up until then were they similar to what you're doing now? I mean, didn't you change things over? Hold um, on, are we okay here? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, what my, my grandfather did it was. Uh, Okay, the technique, if we want to speak about, to speak about the technique of my grandfather, he was, he was having a, an old hand basket press. And um, obviously in that period, everybody was doing some skin contact, even for white grades. Then it is an old technique. Then my grandfather was making some of this, uh, but in the 70s, in the 80s, nobody wants the, this kind of wine. Then uh, what happened to my father was the beginning to change this style to go to more fresh, uh, stainless steel and uh, clean wines. At the beginning it was, was like that because if you want to sell wine in that period, you, you, should, you should do like that. And um, then my father, take, when, they, when he take over, he started to make some more classic white wines. And, um, but shortly he want to go back. He want to go back in the way of uh, back how <laughs> wine making technique exactly okay then so it was it was a moving forward and back you know right the um, so w what does that mean it means that uh, if you want to um, understand what happened in, uh, in in our cellar in that period um, you should look at the at the history and the history always tells us what what's happening then. <clears throat> If you think about 60s, 70s, um, when all the enology moves to the more technic uh, style and stainless steel filters, uh, additives, and all these, all these things, um, obviously, if we move in that period in Europe, there was completely different things because uh, the people was just in the, in the countryside, there was a big change because the people start to have some money and then uh, if we think that the toilets moves from outside to inside <laughs> of the houses. So a modernization in all exactly. ways. Exactly. Okay. But what it means that every, everything can be more clean and even wines should be more clean. Then these uh, dark colored wines, they wasn't good enough for the, for the people. 
then everybody wants the clean wine, everybody wants the filter wine, everybody wants the, the um, fine wines. Clear. Clear. And, and then they, they, that's what happened in the history. Then after that, <clears throat> when my father started to think about skin contact again, uh, it was because he was missing something. He was missing something in the wines he knew from his uh, young period. And he was missing a part, in particular, of, of one wine. He was missing a part of, of, of Ribola grapes. Then this is where everything starts. It uh, starts everything with uh, one single grape, because um, if you ever see uh, grapes of Ribola, they have very thick skin, and it's very difficult to extract uh, from, the, from this kind of, um, of grapes. If you press with the soft presses we had in that period, then the basket press was okay, right. because was the pressure is higher and uh, extracts much more. But when my father had some money, the first thing he bought, it was a soft press, uh -huh. because it's much easier to work. And he realized that this soft press is not working in the same way as, as the other did. Then he missed, some, he missed something in, this, in, this, uh, in these grapes. He missed the part of the skins uh, he missed the part of, the, of the, the flavor which is inside of the skins. The biggest part of the, of the flavor of a grape, it's always near the skins. But even in the reds, even in the older, older grapes. Then uh, he was missing that part of Ribola which he knew from, uh, from, uh, from before. And now he, in that period that he missed it. And he was thinking what, what, can, what, what we can do. So that was, was that in the mid-90s? Yeah, mid-90s. He yeah. started leaving the skins on the juice, right? Exactly. That's, Which that is was what the had been done. You said earlier they were mm. making yeah. skin then, contact wines. Then the, um, his idea was connecting what his father did before and uh, in a different way. In a different way because at that point we had a, we already had a, a proper cellar which was uh, cleanable and clean and was, everything was different. I mean, everything was, was uh, in a different way. And uh, he, he tried. I mean, my father never, he never think too much about one thing. He has, he has an idea, an illumination, and he tried. He tried to make this, uh, this wine. And so let, how far back can you remember? Do you remember how long he left the skins on the juice? Because now, I wouldn't say it's formulaic, but you know you want to leave them on the skins for a certain period. What did he do then? I, when, when I remember what he was doing in that period, uh, because I know, because it's part of the history, but um, I still remember this, um, this first vat of Ribola with, when he, he made his first maceration. Uh, I still remember this thing that everybody says to him, but what are you doing? Are you crazy? <laughs> and, uh, but he, was, he, he made the, the skin contact on the base of what his father, my grandfather, tell him, and it was basically one week. And it was one week? One week, yeah. The first, the first trying was one week. So just for reference, you're making the same wines today. How long are they on the skins? The same wines are staying for two, three months. But that's a part of evolution. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty significant. You know, when, when, when he first thing, this was 95. And the first big trying of my father was made in 1995. Then on one point and another, it was a, um, 96 was a very bad vintage uh, because we had hail. Then <clears throat> it means that we didn't produce any wine. 
and it was a terrible thing because basically when you when you can have the crop once a year you spend money the whole year and then at the end you don't have the crop that's it's a problem but 96 we hadn't any 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 wine basically we had a little bit of wine which my father never loved it and then he he tried to don't sell it um, but what happens in that period he had one more year to think about the macerated wines ah. he did in uh, in 95 and when the 97 uh, harvest arrived um, he say okay this is my life this is something new and i love it and from 97, all the wines goes on the skins. Then everything we will drink today, after, except for the first one you, you already had, uh, are skin contact made. Did he keep them on the skins longer? In Slowly, 97? in, in 97, 97, he did one uh, trying, uh, which is a selection, which he made uh, two weeks on the skins. Ah, okay. Um, what about the farming practices? The period of time you talked up until the 70s, were they farming with chemicals and all of that? Did, did your dad reverse that too to go to a pre-modern time? At the real beginning, um, at the real beginning, yes, he was using some chemicals, but... Um, because everyone did, right? Because there was a, the people were thinking that maybe it's not possible in a different way. Right. That this, this was the, this was the message. And uh, we, they didn't know how um, these, these pesticides can be dangerous for our life. Right. And um, then, uh, yeah, this is the, even the, the thing, because we think that now we know that some of these pesticides, they are very dangerous. And in that period, we, we didn't know. Then uh, they didn't know, then they was using like, like normal. When we talk about the wines, we'll talk about some of the farming practices. Yeah, but uh, uh, now, now we, we move to the, um, from, from the uh, late 80s, my father started to not using any uh, pesticide or chemical things. And it's, it's from that period, it's like now, we just use copper and sulfur, which is the most easy, easy things. And, uh, but we, we, we should try and have the, the more, um, we try to, to do things very well in the vineyards to, to um, allow us to, to, to don't use the right. chemicals. Uh, right, minimal intervention. Um, we have a wine in front of us. Let's talk about it while everybody has it. Okay, so we have it in front of you. We have the 1995. Which is the year we talked about, which exactly. was the first vintage. This is somewhat of a historic special wine. Um, so tell us a little more about... Oslavia 1995, it's, uh, Oslavia, it's a blend of, in this period, was a blend of Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon and Chardonnay. Oslavia is the name of the village where we are, then the idea was to give this, to, as much as we can, uh, territory to our, to our wines. And um, this, wine, uh, this wine wasn't made on, on, skin, on skins. It's even the, the color is quite intense, but this wine was no skins. He probably, I can't remember because I was young and my mind was on different things. Um, but he probably did just a little bit. And um, because probably he used some, some of the ribola of the skin, con which made the skin contact, he probably made, put in the Slavia a little bit, but uh, this is an, uh, an exception. And I mean, completely an exception. Um, this is uh, an interesting thing, but even to, to let you know that the intensity, the minerality we have in our area, it's, it's not only thanks to the, 
to the skin tone that is even thanks to the grapes because of the farming, because of the, the, the good farming is giving good grapes and good grapes is giving good wines. What, the soils are composed of what? Our soil, it's, it's basically clay. It's called ponca. P-O-N-C-A? P-K-A. P-K-A. Yeah. Ponca. Ponca, yeah. Okay. Um, ponca is, um, um, it's basically um, uh, a flesh, but it's made with, it, it looks like a rock. But if you live outside, it's breaking and it's giving the clay again. Then it's a very poor soil, no, uh, not a lot of uh, energies, but a lot of minerals. Then the, the vines, they grow slowly. They, compared to other regions, uh, a 10 years old vine, it's less than half big then. It's very, uh, very, very poor soil. And th this is where, where Ribola grows better. In Ponca. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about this wine. It's a beautiful yellow, orange. The nose, what do you get on the nose? It's definitely <laughs> oxidated. It is, you know. There's a sherry quality. It, it's, an, it's an old wine. Yeah, no, it's, it's beautiful. I'm not complaining. <laughs> it's, it's got a nuttiness to it. I mean, it's the color, it's holding up very well. The, um, I, sometimes I think it's a 1995 wine. Yeah, it having a part of oxidative uh, notes. I say it that endearingly. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> but what, what we, 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 I want a, a, a wine should age. It's like persons. I mean, I don't want to have a, a, my wife as a kid all the time, you know. No, no. I mean, doesn't make any sense. La later on you will, but don't worry about that. I'm a little older than you. No, I'm kidding. Um, that was sexist. Um, what do you get on the palate here? It's a very mouth-filling wine. The, the mouthfeel is still very... The, um, the mouth, is, it's nice. It's complete. He was, we was using... I, I still feel some, some wood, which was used in that period. Uh, some of this wood was even new. Um, but every time I taste this wine, I say, okay, it's great. It's a great wine. But I'm always missing something. Because the maceration gives the wine much more complexity, much more um, structure in your mouth, and uh, you, will, you will see. I mean, it's a great wine, but still missing something. It's a bit shorter, it's a bit um, rounder, okay, because wood and it's Chardonnay, come on. It, it, it's a 60, 50% it's Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Yeah, then um, so how long, this was on the skin for Two weeks, you said? This no, was, one no, week. Uh, the, the, the first, first one, one wasn't on the week, on the skins. The second one. The second was, one, yes. Yeah. My bad. Everybody has a second one, yeah? Thank you, Ju. All right, um, so. Yeah, then. Uh, matured in casks? This, this one, the, the 1997, this is Reserva Ivana. Ivana, it's my sister. Can I get the 97? Uh, it's my sister, which was born during the harvest, and she was born exactly the day we harvested this wine. Wow. And then it was kind of a, of a trick, but my father wants to make this, this wine for her because of that. Thank you. Um, and this is the wine we, we, we the, the, it's basically the second year of, of skin contact, and this is where we, um, we put this on the skins uh, for the two weeks. Then here we have two weeks skin contact, uh, same grapes, Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon, and Chardonnay. Uh, 
and um, a part of the made in a small barrels than barriques. A part of them even new. The the nineteen ninety seven was the last year my father bought barriques. Then after that he so moved to the biggest volumes. Yeah, got it. Um, and those are at this point that's neutral wood, neutral oak, right? Now, now, much, much, yeah. much bigger. There are more neutral. Yeah, this, this is the 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 90s for the barriques wasn't a, a good period because some of them there was very oaky, and uh, this is why my father moved to the biggest volume because they have much less influence to the uh, to the wine compared to the barriques. So the 97 compared to the 95. What are the distinct differences? You know, the you different vintage, the side. 97 was one of the perfect vintages. Uh, strange, but it comes just after the hail. In 96, we had hail, but it was very, very strong. Then you can, in a crop, we, we see even less production the, the, the year after. And, um, but was, the weather was very good. Very good. And uh, we had a very nice uh, harvest, which is... For me, the, the, the period of the harvest is the most important for the good weather because we need, uh, we need in September and October, we always need some, some uh, good, uh, good weather because otherwise the harvest is more difficult. Right. Then we, if we have nice weather in that period, it's, it's okay. I mean, we can, we can harvest slowly and we can, um, having a slow harvest for us, it's important because you can really do whatever you want on the, um, on the, on the vines, on, on the So grapes. you rebounded from a tough harvest in 96 to a very good one in 97. Exactly. Thank yeah. God, right? Yeah. Thank God, yeah. Yeah. Um, while we're tasting the wines, I think our train is here. <laughs> See you guys. Um, while we're tasting the wines, let's talk about your dad a little. Tell me, I mean, you worked by his side as a kid. You're running the winery now. Tell me a little about what kind of guy he was, what influences he had on you. You know, the, when you look back now as an adult, you know, and we, even he's passed, you know, give me some of your thoughts. The, um, it was always interesting, but um, when, when you grow up in a winery, um, you had not real summer as a normal kid, because during the summer you should do something, you should work, you should help. Because around the wineries, there's vineyards, there's, it's always something to do. <laughs> and um, my father never really pushed me to this work. Because even if I had a good winery, good family business, he never tried to uh, convince me that I should do this work. Um, he always tried to show me what, what, what it means. Sometimes it's uh, hard because you know when you are 14 years old kid, you 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 are you need to wake up at five in the morning to to go to the vineyards to cut the grass and and do the works. It looks you like oh this is not good. I mean this I don't like this. And um, but after that, uh, once he showed you the show me the the worst part, and it's the even if now I think it's not the really worst, but. It's still nice to be to be wake up in the morning and go and stay in the middle of the nature and and no cars and no phones and all this stuff. Uh, then I like to, and then he showed me even uh, how many people we have around us. I mean, the the, the wine world is it's made by, by wine, but wine is made uh, uh, people together. People. Then uh, he tried to show me as much as he can what what he's doing. He was. Uh, 
and was kind of a particular person. One day, I, I still remember his words. Um, one day, he comes to, my, to me and he says to me, uh, Sasha, what, what, what are you thinking about? I mean, uh, it was a bit bigger than... Um, as far as what you wanted to do? Yeah, he asked me... What, you what, want what, to stay here or go yeah, on in the world? And the way he did, it was interesting. He said to me, you know, if you want to work with us, it's okay. Otherwise, I can buy you gloves and you can do something else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's pretty clear. <laughs> and, uh, but he really asked me um, if I want to stay with, with, with him. It was uh, late, at late 90s, the first 2000, where when he decided to buy a vineyard, he said to me, Sasha, I don't have enough land. If you want to work with us, I will buy this vineyard. Otherwise, I will not. Then, was that a hard decision, or you knew? No, no, I was already you, on. My, 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 yeah, my mind was already there. Then I mean, no problem. So that um, that was a fresh start with new property and. Yeah, new property. We have this nice vineyard, and then he waited for me to finish the studies. And once I finished the studies, I was 100% there. Did you, even if yeah, as I told you, four months. Uh, did four you months. do wine studies? I mean, did you do? Yeah, I have the general, piece of paper. You do? Okay. <laughs> Can I, yeah, can I, I study I analogy, and, and, and he liked to say to me, ah, you should go to study analogy to know what you, you shouldn't do. <laughs> right, I was just going to say, <laughs> when you get back to the winery, it's like, forget that crap, here's what we're <laughs> doing, all right? Stop complaining. So you do get back to the winery, you're committed to the winery and your dad, and what happens? He basically takes you by his side in every process in the field, in the cellar. I mean, I, you had known we, some yeah. by then, but... Yeah, the, the, um, Where was the best learning curve? The, um, the learning, you know, we, we, are, we are a family winery then. Basically, we, I was doing everything uh, from uh, driving a tractor to um, racking wine and, and all this stuff. The, um, the thing is, uh, he never uh, make a lesson with me. Uh, you mean formally? Formally, never a lesson. It was always, but he was always, you know, just you know, look at this. Do you see this or things like that? You know, it was small, uh, small right. deals. You know, his uh, observations or what he learned and all. Exactly. That. Then, uh, and we worked together 15 years. Then, basically, we we I, I really appreciate what he uh, when when he um, tried to convince me without trying to convince me. Because he just showed me, and uh, he just he never say me you are right or you are wrong. Um, just he showed me, and then this is the thing. Try, try yourself. But did you make mistakes? Uh, I mean, did he yell at you uh, or no, pull you? No, I mean. <laughs> no, he never, he never, he never yelled at me. He wasn't was, that kind no. of guy. It's um, and because sometimes if he was yelling, maybe, maybe it was better for me. Right. But when he was not yelling, it was worse because you know they was wrong and right, right. and something but is passive aggressive. <laughs> you could see it in his eyes and all that. Yeah, yeah, it's not easy to live with with a person like that. I mean, it was really nice, but when he he became uh, um, you, you, if I have a mistake or things easy things, I mean, never never, did, but. It's making you understand that next time will not happen again. Right. <laughs> the typical parent. So he passed unexpectedly in 2016. Um, but up until then, he was working, you know, at the yeah, winery, he was, doing he was, everything. Yeah, he was. Um, um, was he 
giving you more responsibility, letting you do more, or up until then he was the guy? Uh, it's, uh, it's not something you can, you can teach or you can make it happen. Um, taking over winery like this, it's not something you can just leave. Um, he, I think that once he passed, uh, in my mind, changed everything. Then uh, he tells me in, when he was alive, I say, uh, you will see once, once I'm not here, everything is different. And I was convinced that that's not, not real, that I was really convinced that I can manage, and, uh, uh, and I was thinking that I know more or less whatever. But uh, once he passed, I see that the life is completely different. And um, you should start to think in a different way. I mean, um, were you ready? Before, before, even if I had made a mistake. Were you the, ready? I mean, you're, you're never ready. Not, they're not ready for that. I mean, yeah. you're never ready. And then you should be uh, responsible and make the work. But uh, otherwise, it's not, not easy. I mean, right. can be ready for that. Um, let's talk about the wine in front of us. This is a, correct my pronunciation if I'm wrong, Fuari Dal Tempo. Perfect pronunciation. Now, the others did not have the Fuari after them. So let's first talk the difference between the Fuari and the uh, regular Oslavis. Oslavia um, Fuori Dal Tempo, it's, uh, it's a harvest selection. This is one of the, um, this is, Probably my favorite wine of all my fathers he did. And, this um, vintage or the Fuori? This, particu this particular vintage. Okay. Fuori dal Tempo, it is um, a harvest selection of the best grapes. We always do this in a particular vineyard uh, where we have the Chardonnay and the Sauvignon. They grow together. On the left side is Sauvignon, on the right side is Chardonnay. And um, we always harvest very late. Uh, I think 2001 was really harvested uh, end of September, and uh, which for the Chardonnay and Sauvignon is very late. Um, and then, by harvesting late, what does that bring to the grape and the wine? It's more maturation. It's more concentration of the flavors, and it's not only about the, the alcohol because uh, it's it's more because of the complete maturation of the skins which is in this easier to extract once it's, uh, it's finished, when right. it's, on, it's on the skins. And uh, this wine stays three months on the skins and three years in, um, in big oak barrels, and then was bottled. But for Does it tempo, stay in the bottle for a while before for, you? For before many years, yeah. But um, the, the Forida Tempo, which is our selections, they always make the same process in the, in the cellar and they are bottled, and then uh, they, they are kept longer time in bottle. And then I have a lot of these kind of bottles in my house, in my cellar, uh, which is a lot of white wines, which are still stay there for aging. Uh, but Florida Tempo, I think the story of Florida Tempo will finish with 2006 vintage, which is the last vintage we, we are going to do. Because basically the, from, from nine, 2006, this vineyard, which was used for Florida Tempo, it's used for Oslavia because we don't have enough of these grapes for the, for the regular Oslavia. Then uh, we decided to, to stop making selections with, for the, with the So with the Oslavia. 06 will be the last Fuori yeah. del Tempo? Yeah. Keep that in mind, guys. You got to grab a bottle and hold it. Um, you said the process for Fuori is 
the it's same. Either, it's the same, yeah. It's three months skin contact in open vats. It's not much different than the regular no. slow. The, the selections are made with the grapes. Right, and, that's um, where And then we have three different periods where we taste the wines. The moment of the bottling, we taste the wine of the selection. If it's better than, uh, than the mm -hmm. others, uh, we bottle it separately. And then after, um, when it's the moment for the release, of the wine, we taste the wine again, and if we think that it's a, it's a good wine to have this name, then we release it like that. So the first two wines had a little more clarity than this. You know, there's a little cloudiness to this. Why, why is that? Is the filter wasn't, wasn't used even in, in the first two wines, but um, the two different vintages give the wine a bit different. I think that the, the both two first wines, they was made in barriques, right. and this was made in big barrel. This is 25 liters, uh, 25 hectoliters barrel, then uh, bit bigger, bigger volumes, then the wine is a little bit more cloudy. Is it darker because of more skin contact? It's darker a little bit because of longer skin That's contact obvious, and more maturation right? of the grapes, yeah. Right. All right, so let, tell me what you get on the nose and on the palate here. Because people smell and taste wines and they have an idea of what they're tasting or smelling, but they can't always describe it. So it's nice to hear from you. I don't like to describe wine. No? So. Okay, I'm not gonna force you. Let's not do that. You come to your own conclusions then, yeah. all right? They have their own palate and they can, they can find out uh, in the base of their history what, what they have on the, on the nose and on the palate. And what I wanna say is wine should be good, that's it. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's holding up very well. Um, we talked about macerated wines in the winery, but let's just go back a little. I mean, what is the story of skin contact in macerated wines? They, they were doing that in the region, right? I mean, your dad was aware of it, but it wasn't a prominent thing. They weren't selling it. Just give me the progression again, because I know it was happening, and then in the 90s, you committed the winery. Yeah. Mm. As we talked before, we, the, the technique of skin contact was long technique, old technique. And, um, and my, my grandfather used this technique for mainly two reasons. The first reason was um, because very practical. If you make a, skin, a little bit of skin contact for the, for the graves, and um, even short, I mean, a few days or things like that, you can... Um, it's much easier to press. Then if you, if you put these skins, uh, you take the biggest part of the liquid out, then you make only one press and not three or four presses, then it's much easier to press because the skins become softer. Then because they are softer, then it's much easier to press. Right, Then you said you bought a soft press. Yeah, yeah. then that's the point after that. Right. <laughs> then like, the grandfather stayed, stayed on, the, um, on that. And the other reason was, because um, in that period, they don't have uh, a lot of knowledge about sulfur, and they didn't have any money to buy sulfur, then they, they know that if they're making some skin contact, the wine will preserve much better. And uh, they, don't, they, they don't need Why to, does it preserve better? Because of the... It's the structure of the tannins. In and the skin. This is what we know now, but they didn't know that period. Right. And it's the structure of the tannins and the complexity of the, of the things in the side of the skin who make more stability in the wine. You basically oxidize a part of the, which is very easily oxidized during the skin contact, and then you have the, 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 the wine clean, uh, which can preserve better even if it's not 
uh, with sulfur. Right. The, um, then my grandfather didn't need to preserve the wine for years. He just needed to have it for, for one year because basically they was drinking the wine and selling the wine for in, a, in, a, in, a, in the same year. And um, can you imagine, my, my grandfather had this 15 hectoliters barrel and uh, these things uh, was at the beginning, after the harvest, if, well, if everything was okay, it was full and then slowly go down and in contact with oxygen was quite uh, dramatic. Right. And when it's arrived at seven hectoliters, he moves to another small barrel, which is seven, seven hectoliters. And then after one year was uh, summer, was August, hot, and these things was really a big problem. But what they did, in, historically in the region, when, when in August, they, they generally start to add water to wine because it makes it more drinkable and more refreshing. Uh -huh. And then after that is September, finally, then harvest. You know why everybody party during the, the harvest? Because they don't need to drink that thing again. That's it. <laughs> Leave it behind. <laughs> New wine coming. Sounds like Piquet or something. And, uh, and this is my grandfather and the, the things around him in that period. Then um, the evolution was uh, taking these ideas and putting in a, in a, in a bottle. Now, um, we know that orange wines today is a big thing, and uh, everybody knows that uh, Georgian and for us about all this. And I, and I always say, even to the Georgian people many times, say, guys, it's real that you made this wine for a long time, but if it was not for two crazy people, uh, probably we almost not speaking about orange wines now. Then the two crazy people, one is my father and the other one is Joško Gravner, which is the, right. the, the, other, the other person who starts this movement. And my father's always like to say, uh, it's real that maybe I was the first who tried, but uh, it was important to have two people because if it's one, it's a crazy guy. If it's two, something new happening. Yes. <laughs> but. But interest in sales early on, there was virtually none there, right? I mean, there, there was no market. There was right. nobody drinking these wines. Right. Now and you, I can say that the United States was one of the first markets where they start to, um, to drink these wines. Right. And this is because of the, the culture, because of the structure, or because of the people. Because basically in the United States, the generation are faster than Europe. Then the sommeliers, they change their work many times. Then you stay five years in a, in a, in a restaurant, then you change. Then, and the new new arrives, new new arrivals of the new new sommeliers. They they start to like these wines, and uh, then this is how how. You mean how they goes. actually gave Riesling up for a moment to drink orange wines? Sommeliers love Riesling. Yeah, really. Yeah, I'm telling you. That. Now you I, know. I'm changing ideas of sommeliers. No, 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 no. Thank God they're drinking this. No, there was a wave. It's always a wave, you know. It's not, yes. it's not up and down. Now I think we we established that orange wines is something which exists. Then there's not again a new of these problems, you know. It was a problem in the at the beginning where where the the market didn't respond to to this wine right. as should be. Quite the opposite. Uh, yeah. Everybody say it's oxidized. It's uh, it's gone. The wine is not good and and all these things. So tell me a couple things before we taste the next wine. You mentioned that in Georgia they're making a lot of orange wine and they're using Amphorae Caveri, which is clay. What effect does aging the wines in the Caveri have on taste versus the way you do it in the bottle and in neutral um, oak? I don't know and I don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> 
The, no, clay, clay, okay. The amphorite is something nice, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always more convinced that the wood is much more traditional for our area. And um, I mean, the only nice thing I see on the amphora is that the wine is fermenting underground and it's having much better temperature control. And, but something I don't like is the bivax inside. And right. That's, that's There's all kinds of different The idea is not on. to add nothing yeah. as much as we can. One of the um, issues that comes up with orange wine and even natural wines is consistency and ageability, which you mentioned. And I think you explained it a little, but by leaving the wines on the skins, there's things that help the wine stay more consistent. Explain that a little. Plus, you keep it in the uh, casks. I mean, your wines don't leave the winery for four, six, eight years on a lot of the wines. The, um, the aging is one of the, the points of orange wines. Um, in one way or the other, if it's positive or not, but if you make a long extended skin contact, uh, you need to age wine after that because the extraction of the tannins and of the older substances it makes the wine unstable. And um, you have always, as I see it in the tasting on, in, in the cellar, you have always somewhere after two, two and a half years, you have a moment where the wines are more rude. And, um, but this is generally stayed for three, four months, not more. And, uh, and then it's coming back and then, then you can bottle the wine after that. So yes, that's the, 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 obviously the, the flavors, they change a lot. That's why you hold the wine at the winery for four years. Exactly. I mean, you this know is the one. evolution of the wine. Yeah. It's not going to hit the market until this, you know it evolved to yeah. where it should be. Right? Then, you know, maybe you release a wine which looks very good at the beginning, and then the people drink it when, when it's not the, the right moment. Then they say, no, it's not good. Then it's, it's a kind of, you know, uh, now people know, but it's still... We are even making a, a more fresh wine, which is making a shorter skin content, then it's okay. I mean, if you make a, a from five to 10 days, it's okay. I mean, the small, right. small shorter skin contact makes sense. Even you can, you can sell it earlier, uh, but you should drink it earlier at the end. So consistency of product is not an issue with you because of the way you make wines. I mean, year in, year out, the wines have a consistent you know, structure. With Radicon, you're yeah, gonna. Yeah, it should be. I mean, uh, we have we try to have the as much as we can the the stability of the of the wines, but we even want to um, to have a product which is respecting the vintage and respecting our work. Right. And this is should be a mark, you know, somewhere. Right. Um, we have the Ribola in front of us. Um, Ribola is the most important wine. Yeah. Okay. If you say so, I agree. What? Let's talk about this particular wine. This is a 1999, a fairly yeah. early vintage. Yeah, it's you know, uh, one of the first uh, experimentations of my father. Then I take the, I took the 99 because I think that it's one of the the vintages where uh, he really start to to go deeper in the um, in the skin contact. And on this wine, it's it's much longer um, compared to the two weeks or before. Here we have more than one month. And um, and here was the real experimentation, starting to to understand. Ribola, it's always even the last white we harvest, and we had even more time to to leave on the skins, because after this is not coming nothing then. Um, and the experimentation on Ribola, it's always more deeper. 
the the 99 it was one of the nice vin nicest vintages uh, well balanced and uh, quite warm and still one of the the nicest things we did what was it 100% ribola or did you blend yeah this is 100% 100% ribola. yeah yeah all all our ribolas we start, we tried to have them 100% let's give it a let's throw it over the tongue give it a taste here mm. The experimentation here was even with with sulfur. It starts with with um, with no sulfur wines. And then this is probably uh, yeah. This this wine was added with sulfur just uh, before bottling, but uh, all the process was already made completely without sulfur. Then all the vinification and uh, thing were made completely without sulfur. So you use low sulfur anyway. It varies by vintage and wine how you will treat the wine with sulfur based on the um, what, what would you base on how you would apply sulfur the, um, the my father's dream um, which became true in a lot of wines was to make wines without sulfur uh, he paid the bill a few times because of that. Okay. Uh, because in '91 he lost 30 hectoliters of wine because he didn't add sulfur, and the wine goes to get, to have a. We had a very good vinegar after that. Um, still have it? Uh, no, yeah, we still have a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you can drink a lot of wine, but the, the 30 hectoliters of vinegar is long thing, you know. <clears throat> and um, but. That was uh, an idea, and then the non-sulfur wines, they start thanks to the skin contact, because he realized that he can make a wine without sulfur. if right. they had, because have, they of have the skin this, contact. Exactly. Then in the, um, in the late, um, the 1990, from, from 99 to uh, 2002, he was experimenting with uh, bigger and bigger volumes made without sulfur, and from 2002, basically, all the wines are completely without sulfur. And I think that it's a part of the real is this, that we are still doing wines without sulfur as much as we can. We are not stupid, then we are still controlling right. the wines. Then right. uh, in some vintages, I basically added a little bit, uh, or we basically, we added a little bit, but we still keep to try to make wines completely without sulfur, which is for me even a, a good thing. Um, I think for everyone. After years, after years, it comes a problem, but it's still, still you can do it. It's not, not a thing you can do every year. Right. Tell me about the winery. Um, size, where it's situated. Tell me a little about soil, climate, geography. I mean, what you're walking out to every day when you're looking at the grapes. The, um, the winery is uh, it's a small winery at the end. Now it's, it's, now it's even too small. Um, but the, we, are, we are very close to Slovenian border. The, um, the family lives there for like from 1807, and I mean, we stayed there for a long time. Wow. Um, we are very close. We are one kilometer from the border, and then uh, we are very, very close. Um, the so culture, the cultural thing. influences. It's, we have obviously the Austro-Hungarian influence, and we have the um, Italian culture. It's in the part Slovenian, and um, we have a lot of good, good influence even for the food. I mean, we have this, uh, we have seaside very close, we have mountains very close. If you don't know, but you have a sea Friuli, but it's one of the nicest things. You can go to seaside in half an hour drive, and you can go skiing in two hours drive in the winter. And it's very, That's very nice. Good. Now, the, the winery is what, about 
14, 15 hectares? We have, um, we had 12 hectares for a long time. Right. And uh, last year I decided to grow up uh, because we had few occasions to, we bought one and a half hectare and we rent another four and a half. Uh, is the one and a half contiguous to the existing property or somewhere else? Everything is two kilometers from, okay. from the cellar, and everything is very close. Then we don't, we don't look at the vineyards which are not on the hillside, and when we are not looking for vineyards where they are too far for us. And you said you're one of the vineyards, you're contracting grapes. We no, we, no. we, we rent the land. You rent the land. Then oh, we, so do, we, do, we do everything. Yeah, right. yeah, it's so always it's for all our work. Yeah. No, no, it's, we have, have everything have under control. And this is why now we are, we go on 18, but I explained an hectare this year, then we have 17 again, uh, which is for me the size we can, we can manage better. So that's a good point. The wines are wildly popular. They're hard to get. Mm. You know, the consumer, restaurants, retailers want them. One of the ways to solve that problem is to expand, but that has its downside too. Where are you at? You, you stated in the last few years you expanded a little. Is that something that'll continue, or you can't make the wines you want to make? No, this is the this is our size. I mean, this is this is what we are doing. I'm not. I don't want to have more uh, more wine than we have now. Um, Why? Because it's after that I will be. Uh, I can, I like to go to the vineyards. I like to do my work, and uh, I want to control basically everything. Then. Um, when, when we have two guys working, three guys working with us, uh, which are great, but still, I, I, I have to control everything. And uh, we are keeping, you know, now when, when I'm here in the morning, I wake up and for the first thing I do is calling home, everything is okay, yeah, what we miss, what is okay. And then uh, managing things even from here. Um, so regardless of the interest and love of the wines, you'll keep the wine the winery at a certain size. Yeah, but because otherwise it would be became a, a commercial things, and if if you are not your there's, if there's not your soul in the wine, it's things are right. not working, you know. And then, Which is, you know, and I think I that always that in the wines there's a part of the soul in uh, of the winemaker in, in it. Yeah. In particular, when when wine is natural. Right. All right. So we just had the 2003. Another very nice vintage. Good vintage here. If you remember, if you remember the the period, it was very very hot vintage. Um, it was really really hot in all of Europe. Summer and dry, whole Europe, yeah. Yeah. It was dry. Was no rain comes, and um, it was one of the driest years for the last. I mean, twenty. Um, and um, the interesting thing is this is a wine, because of the concentration, needs more time. Then um, the, the, at the beginning, when we came out to the market with this wine, we start to think, oh, maybe it's too early. Maybe it's, we obviously should sell. But, uh, and in another five years, the wine becomes better and better and better and better. It was even a part of, the, of our work to control the maturation of the grapes, and then we didn't really harvest as early as other people did. Uh, we still wait September, and we still wait some, some rain, because some rain arrives the first days of September, which gives oxygen to, to the vines. And uh, this was harvested end of September, 
um, which was then the grapes was was very good. I mean, a little more concentrated, a bit higher alcohol, but still very very good thing. And the flavors on this wine are amazing. I mean, it's everything you can feel here. It's it's amazing. Mm. What's what kind of climate are you dealing with? You know, what temperatures? Is it hot summers? Is it moderate? Hot summer. Cool it's at night. I mean, what, what's the um, the ideal for the for the harvest? Is that you have? No, what the, what, what the climate is there? Not what the ah, ideal okay, yeah, climate I mean, is. What are you yeah. dealing with? Every year? How would you describe? No, the, I know we, it we are not. We are not. Uh, we are, we are we have a big influence from the seaside. Okay. Because we are very close, and we have um, in the winter some snow arrives once or twice, but we don't have too much cold. And in the summer, if it's very hot, it means it's over 40 uh, Celsius, I can translate that. That's OK. You, you will do. 90s. <laughs> and, uh, but it's generally arriving. Uh, some vintages arrive to, to 40, sometimes even not. Right. This, like this year was very cold, very, very, very warm. This yeah, 2019 was yeah. a warm vintage? Yeah, it was very warm, uh, even if we had rain and all the stuff. But um, We've drank about four or five of these wines. I'm always curious about pairing foods with these wines. They have good acidity, which is good for food. But what do you, when you think of the um, Rebola and the other wine, what do you think are perfect pairings? The perfect pairings for orange wines? Um, yeah. It's more or less everything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Why? Because it, it has the diversity yeah. of a white and almost exactly. a skin contact red. The, um, the flavors you can have in, uh, in the orange wines, they are much more complex, but they are still remember you the whites, but having the structure of the reds, then it's staying in, in the middle, which is helping you a lot to, to pair with, uh, with a lot of different food. But uh, we generally like something which can be even a little bit more fatty, um, affetati, it's okay. I mean, prosciutto, it's okay. But still, even if you have um, a ragu, which is a bit more fatty, or um, I love these wines with with uh, spicy chicken. So you're right. Pretty much everything. <laughs> uh, <a> sushi. Nice... <laughs> now, what, what do you guys eat? No, with prosciutto. Prosciutto well, and sushi, sushi are you know definitely you, you, different. You, what do you drink with sushi? You know what 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 do what do sake. Exactly, and green tea. And green tea. Sake have acidity, and green tea have tannins. You have both in the wine. There you go. <laughs> Sasha just tied it all together for us. <laughs> so you could drink this with anything. Um, you know, we didn't get into it, but you know, farming practices, everything's hand harvested, right? I mean, part of being a natural winemaker, following an organic structure. Um, tell me a little about the um, Farming practices. The okay, everything we do, it's it's um, organic, but we um, we try to um, respect the soil as much as we can. We try to have a microclimate around the vineyards, and uh, what we have, it's uh, we ne we never um, we never use um, any chemicals or things like that. Uh, we are working the soil during this, the winter because we have a clayey soil which is very hard. Then we try to work a little bit during the, um, the winter. 
and you say work, open it up. A yeah, little open bit? it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we try to uh, keep. Uh, sometimes we do. I, I don't know the, the English word, but the, um, we seminate the, the legumes and things like that to. to you, you do plantings. How? Yeah, planting, to, to complement. Yeah, exactly. The soil. So exactly. Yeah. Birds, and, bugs, whatever. Yeah, create yeah, a yeah exactly. Okay. And. Uh, uh, but we don't touch the soil during the, um, the summer because um, the, in the um, April, May, it's always a lot of rain. Then we have to spray because uh, we have to use copper and sulfur against mildew. If, you are, if you're not spraying in Friuli, you're not producing wine. Then mildew is taking 100%. Mm, there's, no, there's no chance to do something different. And then during this period, because we are on the hilly side, it's very difficult to work with the tractor. It's even dangerous. I mean, right. uh, it can happen even to, to have problems with the tractors because of the, uh, if it's too rainy, you should wait um, at least one day before you can spray. And, uh, and some vintages was a problem because we, we didn't have the whole day to dry up a little bit. And some, some vineyards, we lost them because of that. And uh, we lost the production because of that. Then we, we need to wait. And uh, this is why we leave the grass growing. Then once it's the grass, much easier to, to work and the, comp the compactation is much less, which is always you know, important. And hand harvesting is what it sounds like. Yeah, that's like. obviously. You're, just, you're we, walking we don't, around we don't, cutting the yeah, clusters. We, we don't have, uh, we have many people coming, always the same people. Right, then, uh, we, the we teach them. We teach them for the harvest. We teach them how they should do. And because the, all the selection is made in, in the vineyard, we don't want to bring any um, rot in the, in the cellar. Then the, the, the clusters should be cleaned in the, in the vineyard. Right. What about planting and yields? Are you planting tight vines? We, um, we, we, have, we have very tight vineyards. What Why? we plant is very tight because we don't have any occasion to irrigate. And then we need to be sure that the, 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 the roots, they should go down as much as we, they can, because if they go underground much more, they find water and they find minerals and they find everything. If they stay on the top, uh, it's very bad, because it's not having a chance to give them water if, it's, if they miss. Even if we have the opposite problem with water, which is too much generally. Right. Um, but we what? need to push them to go down. And this is a competition between vines. It's uh, helping this. Can you control the yields, or that naturally produces a lower yield by doing it that no, way? No, we, we control the yield. You we, do. We, we do the green harvest for all our vineyards, and uh, we generally leave on the floor half of the production always. So, it's sort of crazy, yeah. Missing wine and, 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 and throwing out the crop, it's crazy, but this is the only way to make good wines. Do you literally throw it out, or you do something with no, the No, can, you can't do nothing. It's too early. Because making it right, right. in you're, August you're that doesn't make any sense, and right. uh, taking them off and uh, at the at the we do it in right. in July, which is the right moment, um, you don't get you can do nothing with that. Right. All right. So what we're up to? What our fifth wine? I'm losing track here. I'm having too much fun. Um, so this is the. This is the O3. Did we pour the O4 yet? 04 is the O. This is the O3. Right. So we're waiting for the O4. Um, as soon as that comes around, we'll talk about that. Um, talk to me about. You talked a little about climate. Has the change in climate or chi climate change 
has that in your tenure at the winery, which was with your dad and now, you know, on your own, do you feel any changes? Absolutely, yes. And what effects? Planting, harvesting, the quality, the, the taste of the wines? Um, the biggest things you can see, it's uh, we have um, used to have more water, more rain, and uh, more well divided. Now we have less rain, but all in a small um, time. Then wait, so uh, the annual rainfall, yeah, has dropped through dropped, the years, but it's much more intense uh, when it happens. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, this is what what it influences the um, the vines a lot, and then. If we think in totally all, all these things, what, what happens? I mean, I think we solved the problem thanks to the skin contact wines because um, it didn't solve the problem. But I mean, for us, for the wines, uh, it helps a lot to have the, the skin contact because it leave, we, we need completely ripe grapes for the... For the um, then even if uh, you should wait a little bit more, it's okay. Um, but... In, in part, in some vintages, we are losing the freshness we had in the 90s. On the grapes, you, you, even the other people who are not making the skin contact, you feel that they are not having the same freshness. Why? Because of the temperatures. Because of the temperature goes up, because the water So you lose different. freshness with a, with a little higher temperature and heat and all of that. And you, mm, yeah, but you even, let me, um, if you think about the wines we did in the 90s, right. Uh, is the same wines which in 2000 you can find in Trentino, and is the same wines which now basically are already in Germany. The same kind of, you know, there's the right. same kind of freshness, same kind of acidities. Uh, this is how the the level moved up. Even because if we think in UK, there were nobody know, makes wine 15 years ago, and and now they are making wine. I mean, that's difference. Right. The the line moves up. Right. Um. Does that affect ripeness and picking time? The picking time, it's uh, always, you know, it doesn't affect. But basically, we move the, 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 the harvest period. It's not, not now much earlier than it used to be. Um, obviously, every vintage is different. I mean, right. Uh, you should take a look at the vintage, what's happening. But uh, right. if, you, if you want the total, we are moving to be earlier um, all the time. Um. Some areas it's later, with you it's earlier. It's interesting. That's it. That's crazy. All right, so let's taste this. This is our last Rebolia. This is a 2004. Um, tell us a little about this wine, uh, the vintage, little difference between the 03. Yeah, completely different vintage. This is one of the more balanced vintages. We had a, a nice summer with always some little bit of, uh, of water and we had um, a very nice um, harvest without, uh, the harvest was completely without uh, rain, but with the cold winter, cold, cold nights and uh, warm days. And um, yeah, that, that's Is it. Is that near perfect, those type of? It's near perfect. Cooler yeah. nights, cooler warmer nights, days, this is very no important. rain during the harvest. If, if the nights are not cool, we never harvest. Because it's it's uh, the grapes will get yeah, then the grapes needs the cool the cool for the last maturation of the acids and one thing we didn't talk about and we'll talk a little more about some of your cellar practices 
But when you go to visit wineries or you think about wineries, it's anything from an austere winery to you know a modern spaceship. Your winery, you have no temperature control, right? Right. So the wines that are in the barrels are subject to the weather conditions outside. So how do those cycles affect the wines? Absolutely, yeah. It's important. I mean, we, we have a cellar which is completely underground. And uh, obviously, the, the effect with the, with the temperature outside. In the summer, it's, uh, it, it's warmer than in winter. But this is very important because, I mean, during the, um, the year, the wines, they should move. And they should have this different temperature because, like, like us, in the summer, you are active. You, you want to do something. You want to do things. In the winter, you are a little bit more calm, stay on the couch, and things like that. The same is for wine. I mean, they need, the wine needs to be uh, activated by, by the, the temperature to if, they, if it needs to finish some processes or things like that. And needs to be cooled down in the winter because um, it needs to clean, it needs to, to do all the things. Obviously, we reduce the scale of the temperature. Our cellar is going you know, between 8, 9 degrees Celsius to 14, 15 degrees maximum. Uh, but still, there's a nice scale to, to move. Uh, this is for me, a, a constant temperature cellar can be a problem because the wine stays on always in the same temperature and it's not for me the, the, right, the right way to, to have a cellar. Um, so, that's my opinion. So that's truly no or minimal intervention because you're going by the cycle of the weather. Exactly. You know, a lot of wineries cool down the tanks, temperature up or down. Um, that what that's what gives the wines their character. Absolutely, yeah. Everything you do around around the cellar, in the cellar, it gives something to the wine. And no intervention any other way, right? No. We only you said you, no the only sulfur thing is that since because the, the the cellar it's underground, it's quite cool even in during the 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 first days of of the, during the harvest. Then the only thing we can say it's. Um, it's a, that, but if the, the grapes, if it's too warm outside, we don't harvest. And uh, we wait. We, many times it happens that we harvest only in the, in the morning, uh, like between 6 o'clock and uh, 11. We pick up the grapes we picked and we put them in a, in a, in a cellar. Otherwise, if it's too warm, the grapes shouldn't be too warm when, when you put them in, in, in the cellar. Right. That's the only thing we can do. Right, so anything else on the 04? So it was a perfect growing season. Yeah, it's a... Mm, the, the this is one of the wines where I, I was uh, um, changing my mind a lot because the, um, it's one of the first regular three months on the skins, um, three years in oak, and two years in bottle before we sell it. So then, when you say changing your mind, when? After you tasted it or while you were making it? You... While, after tasting it. Okay. Because it's, it happens later it when changed. I really, um, remember in, in 2009, I was uh, really active and uh, with my father, we start really to, I start to put some of my things in the, in the wines. And, um, and this was the wine I was drinking that period which is, I think, one of the nicest all the time. And yeah, okay, the perfect vintage has. But still, the, the wine, the, the method is basically still the same. So when you're drinking the Rebola or even the Yoslave, 
what's the right temperature to drink them at? You shouldn't really chill them, right? Or because all the, the wines, wines the there's so much thought and process going into them. It would suck to serve them too cold because you would lose a lot of the nuance. And too warm, you know, it may not be the best presentation. So then we, we generally drink the, the whites too cold and the reds too warm. Right. So what do, what do we do with I, well, with, the, with the orange wines uh, in general, but in the, with the wines in general? I think between 12 and uh, 15 degrees. Okay. That, that's that's the. Does that's anybody the point. know what that is in Fahrenheit? <laughs> all right. Anybody got Google? So 12, 15 yeah, degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll post I think that it's 59. Okay. So it's 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 coolish. You know, there should be a little temperature to it. Lower than room temperature. Lower, than, lower than, cooler room than room temperature. Yeah, cooler okay. than room temperature. Yeah. Okay. It is. Uh, it's important that the, the wine should be fresh, but not cold. Right. Because in these wines, in particular, if you put them too cold, you can feel only the tannins, and you can feel uh, the acidity. Then the, it's only the bad bad things. There'll be, the tannins and the acidity will be pushed. Exactly. If it's too cold, yeah. so yeah. then the wine exactly. is not drinking the way it's meant exactly, to, yeah. to be made and all of that. Um, but we, we write it on the label all the time. And it's written on the label how, how much it should be. All right, so this is our um, last orange or skin contact wine. We're going to move into a couple of Merlots, which you know have a story. The aging and everything on this is um, unbelievable. Um, Sasha, you've said, and I want to get your take on this, You've said that natural wine is not natural if your mind is not natural. Okay? Yeah. Explain. I think that's something that you live by, but what does that mean? It, it, it means that if you want to think about um, what you are doing, if you live in a natural way, uh, you can make a natural wine. But if you do it just because uh, of the moment or because of uh, it sells more or things, ah. it doesn't work. And because I'm convinced that uh, it's much easier if there's... Uh, I'll give you an example, which is easier to understand. Uh, you know, the, the natural, the um, organic stuff in Italy or even in, around the world, you have two, two options to, to find things uh, organic. You can buy organic seeds and organic uh, stuff, or you can ask for um, a paper to buy regular seeds, and you can, you can, you can use it anymore. I mean, the, you can use it if you, if you want. But you should ask some, make some paper. Then regular seeds for the, for the cover crops, for the, for the, for the, for the um, I don't know how to say, uh, it's much cheaper. The regular seeds are much cheaper, and you have much more uh, open, uh, more, see, more kind, type of seeds. If you want the organic ones, you should ask them before. You should make all the things, and you should, and you pay much more. But I think there's some people tell me, oh, but why you don't ask for the papers? That doesn't make any sense. So it's a conviction and a commitment. Exactly. To the right thing, and that's you know the mindset. When when you when you think natural wine is a good thing, it's obviously even natural food is a good thing. Right. And I'm trying to eat only natural things, and that that's that's right. the point. Well, it's something you and your dad have been doing. 
long, long time. time. And but you didn't have any certification very shortly is yeah. people are jumping into it because it's exactly. a thing. But, you but know. We, even, we, even, we, we had an organic from 87 or 88, but we don't have that certification until five years ago because it doesn't make any sense. Because if you, and uh, at the end, my father decided to make the certification only because he found a person which was really convinced to that. And uh, right. then I said, okay, let's do it. All right, we have less than 10 minutes to drink two of the red wines. So in front of us is a 1997 Merlot. Um, tell us about this wine. Going back to the 97, we already had one today. And uh, 97 Merlot, this is a particular label. It's called Merlot 20. Uh, and it's labeled as Merlot with the 20. And why 20? 20, it's um, because this, one, this particular wine was released 20 years after the harvest in 1970, uh, in 2017. And um, this is, comes out because my father say, uh, he says, uh, I will sell this wine when it will be 20. And uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to do it, but we did it for him. And um, so that's a kind of 20 years old. 20 wine. years later, just break down how long was it in barrels, how long in the bottle before it, stays, it left it your It stays winter. five years in um, it, one month skin contact in open vats, and um, five years in uh, old barriques. And after these five years, was bottled. And 15 years bottling bottled wine. It stays in the. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, you know why, why it stays? Because when we was building the cellar, a pallet of this stays in the, in the middle of, of two barrels and was basically inaccessible. And it stays there and said, well, like, so it was I, more should rack, I should rack two, two was, barrels. It was more circumstance <laughs> than a plan or anything. Was, yeah, but it was even that idea, you know. Then just, uh, it, was, it was kind of tough when we take this out. So this is obviously a very restrained Merlot compared to a lot of Merlots people have had. Um, the 20 years does what to the wine? This, this is much more radical than Merlot. Yes. And I guess that was obviously the, what we like. It was always well-aged Merlots. We have a nice region to make it, and we have a particular Merlot. This is even a, the vineyard we use for this. It's a very old vineyard, and uh, this vineyard is... Uh, one of the nicest Merlots I ever see. Um, even if we don't have any more of this vineyard, but we reproduce the vineyard in our, in, close to our cellar. And um, the idea is we don't like fresh reds because we have enough orange. <laughs> and uh, we generally make the, the, the Merlots very old because this and is how we like them. You don't them. make them every year, right? We, Merlot is made more or less every year, but we don't release, don't as, release as, should be, as should be. I mean, we have now at the moment all the Merlots after the 03, except for 04 and 05. Uh, then we have the 03 and 06 that are still in the cellar. So where do you store all these wines? I mean, did you build underground? Did you build buildings? Because you're obviously holding wines longer than most people do. I love Tetris. How to <laughs> make it happen? I get that. <laughs> no, it's we have we have a too small too small cellar at the moment, and I'm thinking about building another one. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the the cellar will stay there. I mean, 
uh, this is the place where our wines are born and this is the place where we, we are keep going. Maybe my father did three or four cellars in his life. Uh, he always used to add a part because this is how it works. Because when you have some money, you can build, you can build a little bit because that's, that's the money. And uh, now we are probably adding my part. Nice. Um, like I said, I'm sure everybody had a, ha, has had Merlot in this room. I mean, is anybody making a Merlot this way where they age it that long and keep it in the bottle? I mean, can you even think of anyone? It, it's so unique. It is. I mean, yeah, it, it's unbelievable. All right, we're going to try the last wine, and we're going to wrap up pretty soon because we took 90 minutes of Sasha's time, which is terrific. Um, and like I said earlier, the wines are harder to get, but they are available. But I think a lot of restaurants are big fans, and I think if you go into restaurants, um, there's an opportunity to taste them, unfortunately. And, you know, there are certain wine stores, I think you should know them by now, that carry these kind of wines compared to other ones. Um, does production frustrate you ever, or are you really focused on the quality? The production, it's uh, the nicest part of my work. Why? <laughs> because it's staying in the vineyards. The cellar, it's easy, easy work at the end. The, the biggest part of the work is made in, uh, with the vines, with controlling grapes. And I think that a good winemaker, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do, you go to the, to the vineyards and take a look around. This is something I do every single day when I'm, when I'm home. And uh, going to the vineyards, checking the weather, checking the, how the, the, the grapes grow and how the, the vines grow. This is very, very important. So over and over and over, great wines are made in the vineyard. Yeah, and absolutely. if they're not made well in the vineyard, then you have to manipulate them or you're doing it's other stuff. So that's, I mean, that's that, really the mantra. Making no, no, no sulfur wines, making uh, orange wines, but even all the other wines, you should do the works in the, in the vineyards because the cellar, you can only control how the things are going, but you can't, if you don't want to intervene, that's, that's the point. All right, we have a couple of minutes left. Let's talk about the last wine. This is our last Merlot. We just tasted a 97. This is a 2000, so it's a few years later. Um, I know from Bordeaux and other regions, 2000 was a great year in Europe. How was 2000 by you? 2000 for us was a, a very nice vintage in general. The wine, um, it's something uh, which I really like and um, Compared to the other vintages, it takes a bit longer to be ready. Then I think that was really underrated when we sell it. But uh, now I think it's uh, it's a really good good drink. When you say it took a little longer in the cellar? In the cellar, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean the aging needs a little bit longer. I mean this is the old wine, so we can we can we can try to understand when is the right moment. But after maybe a few years, you see, okay, it's even better than it was. I mean, or it's 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 not good as it was. Um, it's not easy sometimes to, to understand uh, what, what's the, the right moment, or the right period for the release of this wine. And um, now, with the, thanks to the, um, the, all these wines that came out from our uh, archive, I, when, when my father passed, I tried to make as much as I can a clean archive where 
we age all the wines, and uh, we have eight, nine thousand bottles aging in that part, yeah. which is all bottles we don't sell, but something we we come there and we taste. This is why we was able today to make all these older vintages uh, for you, because I mean, this is the idea. I mean, I, we, we put the things in, in the back because we want to, to taste them again and uh, try to understand how the evolution can go. It's in, in our work, it's, you, nev you, never, uh, you never know. I mean, you, you, should, you should learn all the time. You should, you should taste, you should try to understand. Uh, every vintage is different. Every single uh, wine can be different. And I mean, it's always looking about how it's going, how, how is it. One last question. Your Merlots, are they on the skin typically longer than other Merlots? Yeah, they'll say one month, which is such a long period for, for the Merlots. What would, you know, a Bordeaux be? A week, a few days? I mean, just for perspective? I don't know, but I think it's a few days. Ten days is the maximum, I think. Yeah, good. yeah. Time, yeah. Time, time, so, I mean, the skin contact. All right, so this is the uh, 2000 Merlot. Um, and you said the release that'll eventually hit the market is the 2006 Merlot? And now at the moment we have the 04. 04, okay. And the next will probably be 03. But I right. don't know, I still don't know, because we don't release a regular vintages for the Merlot, we just go to the cellar and taste a few different vintages to understand which is the right one. And uh, generally we have two or three wines, and then together with the family we decide which is the best and then we release it. And even the prices, they are very changeable. There's obviously no cost and price on Merlot. If we release something more younger, obviously it's a little bit uh, more cheap. It's, it's you know, longer aging, it's a little bit more expensive. All right, we have to wrap up, but I have one more question because it's kind of obvious. You innovated two things. You did something with the size of the bottle and you also did something with the neck and the cork. Discuss what you did and why. Everything uh, starts from the from the liter bottle, uh, liter bottle because um, the idea was we have the we can have a better cork. We, we asked the cork producer which is the better cork you can give us. He said me there is. It's a bit smaller because it's a cork which is growing on the hills and it's like having less humidity. Less humidity means even less fungus than less problems. And, uh, Which is the last thing you need. Yeah. Right? Then we have a smaller neck because, uh, um, yeah, this, if you can see, this is thinner. <clears throat> this is much thinner. And um, then this is the, the, um, then the proportion between cork and wine in this, in this bottle is the same like in the Magnum. Then the Magnum for the, for the wine is the best age, uh, aging bottle but nobody use it for the whites, then because nobody buy magnums for whites. And, um, and then we have a little bottle which is much easier to sell, much easier to open, and you have the best aging. Then the bottle aging is something very serious because these wines, they age at least two years in our cellar before we sell it. Then um, it's something very, very serious. And um, the other reason it is because my father always said, uh, 7.50, it's never enough. <laughs> He's right. And that'd make a good T-shirt. <laughs> um, liter is the perfect bottle if you are two of us and she's not drinking. 
you don't mean that. You, you could have a white and a red and, and share it, you know, really well and all that. All right, we got to wrap up, but I have one, one last, last question. Now, we tasted the Radicon wines. There is also another line, I guess you'd call them, of wines. Um, tell us quickly about those. And correct me if I'm wrong, they're a little more readily available, right? Yes, they, uh, the S line, the Slatnik and CV, um, it is something I started to make in uh, 2009, uh, just for the idea that probably the people, the, um, the world needs uh, a wine, uh, an orange wine could have to be an introduction for the, for the orange wines. Then uh, go back 10 years, I mean, the, the movement of orange wines was starting, but still a little bit uh, at the beginning. And um, what I was thinking about is maybe if I can make the wine my father did at the beginning, then the first, his first ideas with the shorter skin contact, the shorter aging, we can manage to have more people to, to understand better our wines. Then this really happens. At the first years, these two wines became very, very popular. And uh, many people, once they start to drink these two wines, say, okay. Then after a few months, they say, okay, now I, I want more. Good, and good, then they were more, more ready for the others. Then this, this was the idea of starting and CV. This is so the label has an S on it, if you see it. All right, Sasha, we got to wrap up. I want to thank our guest, Sasha Radikan. I want to thank you for bringing in some of the most amazing wines. Listen, we all drink wine. We all go to tastings. This is a very, very special lineup. This is something to talk about. If I was you guys, I would keep the uh, tasting sheet. And if there's anybody you want to impress, just say I was here today. So, so thank you very much for your beautiful wines. Thank you for all your time. And thank we you. hope thank to you. see you again soon. I want to thank everybody who comes. Thank you. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.